The series we're starting today is called Treasures of the Heart. Everybody say it with me, Treasures of the Heart. The first uh, message in this series today is going to be called, uh, What's on Your Heart? Turn around and say that to your neighbor, would you? What's on your heart? Now, watch this. It'll help set up this message. Come on in, guys. Oh, oh, this is good. Remember now, I'm going to help you open up your first bank account. Yeah. And then you can take it from there and add to it yourself. I know, I know. Let's go. Come on. Good morning, sir. How can I help you? Good morning. I'd like to open up a bank account for my daughter, her first account. (laughs) Wonderful. Great. Okay, how much would you like to deposit today? $100. All right. $100. $100. All right. Okay. Well, are you sure just a hundred? Just a hundred. Then you can all take right. it and add to it from there. All right. It's all yours. Thanks, Dad. Your receipt, Thank sir. you. Thank you. Congratulations. You, you had a right. great day. I'm just gonna wait here. I'll catch up with you in a little bit. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Can I'd I like you? to withdraw us out ten thousand dollars, please. Ten thousand dollars. Okay. Give me just a moment. Alrighty. Uh, your name, please? Jasmine Noble. Jasmine Noble. <clears throat> um, Is there a problem? How do you spell that? J A S M I N E Noble. L E, not E L. Okay. Um, it says here. Uh, that uh, you only have a hundred dollars, and I'd deposited. like to withdraw ten thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, um, maybe, maybe uh, you're maybe you're at the wrong bank, ma'am. Do you have a nope, account somewhere else? No, I was just else? right there. It's okay, ten thousand. Um, I, I don't. We're not going to be able to help you. All you have is a hundred dollars in your account. But I'm all a customer can... here. That's not the point. I want ten thousand dollars. Okay, are you sure you're not supposed to be at the arcade? I want. <laughs> I want ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand, um, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Um, I can only give. I can only get out what you put in. Okay. Thank you. Give him a hand, would you? No, no. I need that one. <laughs> I guess he thought church was over. <laughs> Everybody say withdraw. I'll just leave it out there. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me. I'll tell you in just a minute where we're going. Go with me to Luke chapter 6, verses 40, verses, verse 45. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. I want you to get this because it's saying that he brings forth treasure. Now, whether it's good or evil depends on the individual. The word treasure there in Greek means a deposit. Everybody say that with me, a deposit. Now, I want you to think about this because Paul tells us in Romans 12 and 3, he says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. I want you to get this, that God has deposited, everybody say deposit. 
God has deposited in each one of us, each one of us, not just those that said yes, but in each one of us, a measure of faith. But what you do with that deposit is going to determine what you're able to withdraw later in your life. Jasmine wanted to get 10,000 out, but there had only been 100 put in. Her father instructed her, now you're going to have to add to this. You know, I'm going to make this initial deposit for you, but then after that, it's up to you to keep adding to the deposit. Do you understand that how faith works? That every time we exercise faith, we're adding to the deposit that God's made. We're adding treasure, that deposit that God has made in us. And so what we add is important. Everybody say it's important. You can't take out what you don't put in. So the question becomes, what are we putting in our heart? Everybody say it with me. What's on your heart? So whatever's on your heart is going to come out of your mouth. How many of you know that to be true? So if it's evil thoughts or bitterness or despair or fear or murder, you're going to give voice to it because it's in here. Or it could be faith and hope and love and joy that you speak. It just depends on what you put in. Everybody say it with me. Garbage in. Garbage out. So whatever you're putting into you is what you're going to draw from in a time of need. Jesus tells us in Matthew 15 and 11, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. They were upset because the disciples had eaten with hands that hadn't been washed. And Jesus looked at them and said, don't you get it? It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles you. So because whatever you put in your mouth is done away with in, in the, you know, the, he didn't say it like this, but in the sewer system. You pass that through you, but it's what you speak out that defiles the man. And so we, it matters what's in our heart. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, what's on your heart? Do you ever have anybody bite your head off? You know what I'm talking about? Just out of nowhere. I mean, you know, just walking, hey, how are you? Just don't talk to me. Think, wow, where did that come from? Their heart. It came from their heart. Now, I don't know what was in there that produced it, but that's coming from something they're experiencing. Our heart symbolizes our emotion. We're getting ready to celebrate Valentine's Day. I'm going to put me a big box up there for Valentine's. I better get some too. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, we want, we, it's kind of like we want candy given to us when we act like a sour lemon. We, we want the things coming out of other people's hearts to speak value to us, but we're not speaking value from our heart to others. So what's in or what's on our heart matters. If you don't think it does, look at Genesis. The fifth chapter of Genesis, verses five and six, it says, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Now get this next line. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And what ended up happening? It said God was sorry he, he made man, not... He repented that he'd made man. What's going on? This was never what he intended. Man took what God deposited into him, and what did God deposit into man at the beginning? His own breath. 
He breathed into man. Man's made from dust, but he breathed into man. And it's the breath of God that made man a living soul. The breath of God. But they took that and they, they perverted it and they twisted it because they weren't adding to it. They were taking from it and not redepositing anything. How many of you have ever, don't raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever overdrawn your checking account? Don't raise your hand. I can tell by your faces you've been there and done that. Got the t-shirt for it. Okay, so let me tell you a true story. I wasn't there, but my sister-in-law was, and she told me that she went in, she was at court, and there was a lady in front of her standing before the judge, and her name was Elsie. And Elsie had overdrawn her checking account. But this wasn't the first time that Elsie had overdrawn her checking account. She'd stood before this judge on several other occasions for the exact same thing. And the judge looked at her and said, now, Elsie, we've talked about this before. You can't be cutting, writing checks uh, with money you don't have. You just can't do that. And he said, I'm going to have to find you this time. And he find her. And Elsie looked at him and said, I left my checkbook at home. True story. See, some people have this thinking that as long as there are checks in the book, there's got to be money in the bank. Jasmine was saying, I just, I just, I was just over there. I don't care about how much I put in. I want, I'm concerned about how much I can get out. That's why relationships fail. It's because you're not concerned about how much you're putting into it. You're just focused on how much you can get out of it. It causes relationships to fail in life, and it causes relationships to fail with God. Why? Because we're just trying to get from God instead of give to God. How many of you know that you can give to God? And I'm not getting ready to take up an offering. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you understand that the Scripture said that he inhabits the praise of his people? You want to give God a place to live, start to praise him. You want God to come into your house, give him a room in your house. As a matter of fact, just give him your whole house and build a house of praise. Don't raise your hand on this. How many of you have ever gotten up and your wife got up on the wrong? I mean, not your wife. Let me rephrase that. How many of you have ever been at home and your spouse? That way it can go either way. I'm safe. Your spouse got up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> oh, you cowards. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what do you, what do you say? You, you know what I'm talking about. It's like we, we don't, you know, all of a sudden something either, you know, and there's so many things that can cause that. Didn't sleep well. Had got a lot on your mind. Things aren't going right at work or, or things aren't playing out with kids and, you know, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you're, you're letting that get in you. That's why it's so important to spend the first part of your day with Jesus. Let him get in you before anything else can. Amen. Amen? You've got to make sure you're letting him in. What's in your heart can cause destruction. You don't have to have a flood. That's what happened in, when man's heart was evil continually, a flood came. But you don't need a flood to destroy your world. Your words can. Your words can destroy your world. If you don't believe, well, no, I start to say it. If you don't believe that, just say this to your spouse. Don't do that. How many of you, by experience, know that words matter? Think about it. Words matter. Scripture says in Proverbs 6 and 2 that we're snared by the words of our mouth. My father got snared by the words of his mouth. We were in the grocery store. 
he put a can opener in the buggy and made the mistake of saying, I'm buying a can opener for Tressie. Tressie was our next door neighbor. And if he'd have left it there, he'd have been all right. But he added the reason he was buying a can opener for Tressie. He said, I'm getting sick and tired of her coming over to our house to use our can opener. And then she drips her green beans all through our living room back out to the door. We got home. My mom was walking over across the street to Tressie's house. My older brother was following her. When they opened up the door, they went in together. And my brother opened his mouth and said, my dad bought you a can opener because he said he's sick and tired of you coming over to our house my, my, opening your cans. And my mother lied. She said, Daryl, your father no, said no such a thing. And then dad came in with a can opener. <laughs> hey, Tressie, I got you something. Snared. Caught. What do you do with it? You know what I'm talking about? You've been there. It may not have been a can opener. It, may have been, it was probably something else. But you've been there where all of a sudden your words tripped you up. That's why that the Bible said a fool utters his mouth or his mind, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. Anybody in here ever played a fool? <laughs> Any, oh, my goodness. Call the, Okay. <laughs> Matthew, Jesus talked about how important words were. Now, I want you to watch his, watch what he says here, Matthew 15 and 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Everybody say, talk is cheap. And you need to get this because it says, whatever's in the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, but you can also control what's coming out of your mouth. How many of you have ever heard the term fake it till you make it? I don't really agree with that. Because <laughs> when you're faking it, sooner or later, people are going to know. Everybody say it with me, words. If what's coming out of your mouth doesn't match what's in your heart, it's just empty. Let me give you an example. Let me borrow you a minute, James. Michael, come up here. Hey, guys, how you doing? James, you are so talented, man. I appreciate you so much. You, you know, you have a good day. <laughs> Thank It's good to see you. I'll tell you, that guy just gets on my nerves. He's... <laughs> it's just empty, because guess what he's thinking? I wonder what he says about me when I walk away. I wonder what comes out of his mouth when I'm not around. Now watch what the scripture, thank you, Mike. Watch what the scripture says about this. This is found in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. If I could speak, this is New Living Translation, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't want you to shout out any names, but how many of you have people in your life that when they talk, you just kind of blow it off because you've heard them talk so much before and you know that there's no truth to what they're saying. Think about it. This is true. When we were evangelizing, we were with a family and there was an individual in this family that all the other families knew. And they didn't believe a word he said. And they would talk about it among each other. And one of them took me aside and he said, here's the sad thing. He said, this guy has lied so much and for so long he believes his own lies. Amen. Think about this. I hope, and I'm going to try and, and, and say this with clarity, but whatever you, to, whatever you 
believe to be truth becomes truth to you whether there's any fact to it or not. Let me say it again. This is worth writing down. Whatever you believe to be true becomes truth to you whether there's any fact to it or not. In other words, what you allow to get in your heart becomes real to you whether there's any reality to it or not. How many of you ever had a time in your life where you felt like God doesn't care about me? Circumstances, situations took place and and you may not have vocalized it, but you thought it. Or you may have said it. God doesn't even care about me. I can tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt, there is no truth to that statement. But it became real to you because you allowed it to get in your heart. Whatever you let in you begins to shape you and form you and make you. That's why it's so important that you protect that. There's a lot of truth to what our parents told us. If you don't have anything good to say, I didn't know my mom and dad raised you. (laughs) We, We knew that, didn't we? We heard that. We heard that reiterated to us. Now, let me ask a question. Don't answer this, but you know, mom and dad said that, but how many times did you hear mom and dad saying some stuff that wasn't? That's when you feel your oats. I thought you said, if you didn't have anything good to say, you ought not say anything at all. I knew better than that. I wanted to keep all my teeth in my mouth. (laughs) Proverbs 21 and 23 says this, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Let me ask you a question. Let's be honest. How many of you, when you were a kid, ever said something that got you into trouble? Wave your hand if you ever, when you were a kid, you said something, God, come on, hold it up. Some of you ought to be jumping up about 10 feet. <laughs> got you into trouble. The worst whipping I ever got in my life, I did not say spanking, I said whipping. The worst whipping I ever got in my life was my mom had, how many of you understand the terminology switching? I'm not talking about switching on and off a light. I'm talking about a tree limb that you could hang a man from. And mom gave me a switching and I didn't think I quite deserved that. And I let something come out of my mouth. Yeah, see, you've been there, huh? I let something come out of my mouth that I wish to goodness I had kept trapped in here until it passed. Let me, let me, let me share something with you. You need to get this because sometimes there are things in our hearts that are wrong. And if we'll bring them captive until we're able to measure them by the word of God, then they can't do us any harm. They're not able to take root and grow. But all too often, whatever comes in here, whatever we feel, we let out. I lived to regret that because I let a word out. And she said, Thank you. Say it, Lisa. Wait until your daddy gets home. Dad was due in in an hour, and it seemed like a hundred years because I was dreading every second of that tick. And I was just getting over mom switching when dad came in with a whipping. He said, 
Did you say such and such to your mother? Man, if I lied to it or lied about it, I was in more trouble. I didn't mean to. Pow! And he wasn't done yet. And he let me know. I'll tell you what, I, I guarded what I said to my mom after that. I'd make sure it was okay to say hello after that. It was, just, you know what I'm talking about? It's just like, you, you, because your mouth can guard your heart. Look, we, we talked about we got in trouble as a kid saying stuff, right? How many of you have ever gotten in trouble as an adult for saying stuff? Come on, hold your hand up. Let me see it. <laughs> Film this. <laughs> We could use it for a fundraiser later. <laughs> As an adult, you've got in trouble saying stuff. Have you? Yeah. Which tells me something. That saying stupid stuff really doesn't have anything to do with your age. It's got to do with your heart. Everybody say it with me. I was, I, look, I was saying dumb stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> and you thought I would grow out of it. <laughs> you don't grow out of that. You can get older and st- How many of you know some old people say some stupid stuff? Hold your hand if you, go ahead and just point them out. You know you want to. No, I'm kidding. Don't. <laughs> You know, and, and, and so it bothers us. It, it, it troubles us and, and, and we get in trouble, but it's not our age. It's not our inexperience. It's our heart. Now watch what the scripture says here. Proverbs 4 and 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What's he saying? She's saying, go have your heart checked out so you don't have a heart attack because it's going to determine the course of your life. No. He's saying that what you let in here is going to determine your actions, and that's going to determine the road your life goes down. Think about it. Wrong decisions that totally devastated people's lives because they let something get in their heart that caused them to choose wrong. How many of you remember the Indiana Jones flick, The Last Crusade? You remember that? When he's trying to get the grail and, you know, supposed to hold eternal life and that guy runs in there and he grabs up a grail and, you know, it's, Jewel, oh, this is surely the cup of a king and he drinks it down. And then, you know, you've got a skeleton dancing in front of you, you know, and the guy's head blows up and it's... I'm not saying it was spiritual. I'm just telling you what happened. But I did learn something about that. I learned you ought to be careful how you choose. And that man looked at him and said he chose poorly. And then when Indiana went to choose, he wasn't looking for all the thrills and frills. He was searching for the heart of a carpenter. See, sometimes, if you're not careful, we're looking for the glitz and the glimmer. What we need to be looking for is a relationship. Because the relationship will secure you. The relationship will keep you. All these movie stars, you know, that are out there. Walk around all those women, oh, you know. One day, they're going to be walking like this. They're going to have bags. Well, okay, let's not go there. I'm just telling you that it's wrong to trust. In, you know, I look in the mirror. I used to look a lot better than I do now. I'm just telling you, I used to have more hair. I used to have less waste. And I don't know what Debbie did to me. <laughs> I used to sport a 44 chest and a 32 waist. Now my waist done caught up with my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But it's easy for us to want to shift the blame of that to someone else. I don't know what she did to me. I, you're not going to get through life without people's actions affecting you. But you can determine what kind of an effect they have on you. Guard above all else what you put in your heart. Jesus had to watch it. Look at Luke, the 11th chapter and the 53rd verse. Jesus is leaving the teachers of the religious law. The Pharisees became hostile and tried to provoke him with many questions. Now, here's the reason why. Watch this line. They wanted to trap him into saying something they could use against him. You ever been around someone that tried to keep you talking? That's why police bring you into a We just saw something play out. I can't remember what it was now, but in the realm of politics, I don't remember who did what. All I remember is that the FBI ran over and they grabbed a man and they were talking to him and they told, oh, no, no, you don't need any lawyers. You know, no, no, we're just a casual conversation. This is, you know, you don't need it. We, we just, you know, and so the guy thought that this was just a casual conversation going on. And then he gets arrested. And they lied to him. There wasn't no casual conversation. Man, you're under investigation. I don't care what we told you. We can, we're allowed to lie to you. Do you think that the devil is going to be truthful with you? The scripture said that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his ambition for your life. And if you want any of those things, and you go ahead and join up with him because he'll make sure you get them. But Jesus exposed him and said, he is the father of liars. He could not tell you the truth if he wanted to. So quit believing him. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, don't believe him. Don't believe You thought I was going to have you look at your neighbor and say, don't believe him. Don't buy into that lie. Guard your heart. Psalms 19 and 14 says, may the words of my mouth and what? And the meditation, look at this, words and thoughts. May the words of my mouth and the meditation, which is thoughts, it's a thought process. When you meditate on something, you're thinking about it. He says, David says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Not a people pleaser. David doesn't say, give me the wisdom to know what to say in front of these folks so I can get on their good side. He said, I want my words and my thoughts to please you. In Psalm 17, 3, David says, I've proposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I've purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. How many of you know you have to watch that for that to happen or for that not to happen? You've got to watch. How many of you have ever wanted to say something and caught yourself before you said it? How many of you ever wanted to say something and went ahead and said it anyway? Well, what, how's that happen, man? I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all thought things and, that, that, and we held it back and we didn't say it. And then other times we, we just went ahead and said it anyway. It makes no sense. Sure it does. It's about wherever your, where your thought is at the moment, what your heart's on at the moment of that trial or at the moment of that test. Because whatever you're thinking about, whatever you put in you is going to come out of you. So you've got to focus on him more than you're focused on them. Well, what about if I, I don't know what to say, you know? David tells us, he gives us an example in that situation in the 61st Psalm. He says, from the end of the earth, 
I'll cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. When I got stuff going on inside me that I don't know what to do with. When I've got situations happening and I don't even know how to pray, man. I don't know what to say. I open my mouth and nothing comes out. And so when my heart's overwhelmed, Dave, watch what David said. If you see me in that situation, if you see me when my heart is overwhelmed, do me a favor and lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. Don't leave me in my mess. Don't leave me in my turmoil. Don't leave me in my despair and in my, in my desperation. Lead me to the rock. Don't lead me to the mall. Don't lead me to Walmart. Lead me to the rock. Get me to a place that can straighten my heart out. Get me somewhere when my heart's overwhelmed and you see me. You know what I'm talking about? Overwhelmed. Well, you've seen people like that. You've seen the, I tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so mad. I'm right now I can spit. They just hurt me so bad. They hurt me so bad. I don't know what to do. They hurt me so bad. I can't believe they did that. They hurt me. You're overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, you can't think straight. When you're overwhelmed, you don't act right. And so David says, if you see me there, please love me enough to lead me to him. Lead me to the rock. You don't have to have the answer. I'm not asking you to solve my problem. I'm just asking you to help get me to the one that can. Amen. Lead me to the rock that's higher than I am. Later, David would write, your word I've hid in my heart. I might not sin against you. What's he saying? He's saying, I've discovered something. If I can get the right stuff in me, It'll keep the wrong stuff from coming out of me. If I can get the right things in my heart, it'll keep the wrong things from coming out of my heart. What's the scripture say about our heart? It says that it's what? Desperately wicked and what? And no man can know it. You, you don't even know your heart. Look, I've heard stories from people that did horrific things, and they said, I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time. Desperately wicked. We don't look at each other and see that, do we? How many of you came in here today and said, oh, that Pastor Rick's desperately wicked? I hope you didn't do that. <laughs> and I look in the mirror, I don't feel desperately wicked. But I know that if I'm put in the right circumstances without his presence, let somebody come in and grab one of your children and break their arm in front of you. And see if you smile at them and say, the Lord bless you. I was a little boy. A man came to our house and he was a drunkard. He wanted money and my dad told him, he said, I've got no money for you to drink on. And he got mad and he walked out of our front out of our living room onto the front porch, which was enclosed. And when he did, he slammed the door and he caught my hand in the door. I, I don't even remember this. The uh, only reason I know is because they told me the story. And when he slammed my hand in that door and I screamed out, my father grabbed that man. We had seven concrete steps that led from our porch to the ground. And my dad helped him down the first six. He never touched him. He picked him up and threw him off the porch. And the last step he hit was the last one. What are you saying? I'm telling you 
that you don't have to fight for yourself, that you have a father that loves you, that cares about you, and if you keep your heart knit to his heart, when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against them. <laughs> Somebody say, guard that heart. We have to choose what we're going to focus on. Paul tells us, finally, believers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, worthy of respect, whatever's right, confirmed by God's word, whatever's pure and wholesome, whatever's lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Amen. That's the amplified version. What's Paul saying? He's saying, man, get it in there so deep, nobody can take it from you. Get it in there so secure that you can't be robbed of it. You ever go, anybody ever gone through anything? You know what I mean? Has everybody always been nice to you? You ever have anybody lie about you? You ever have anybody spread rumors about you? That weren't true. You know, it's different if it's true, but that weren't true. Well, it really is. I mean, you know, you shouldn't spread stuff regardless, but it hurts more when it's not true, isn't it? Doesn't it? You ever have anybody just chew you up and spit you out? Do you ever smile at somebody in public and have them cuss you out? Took me by surprise. She was a grandma. You think I don't go through stuff? I said, like, what the? I'm... I thought, surely she ain't talking to me. You don't know what they've been through. But I did know something. I knew what was in her heart because it came flying out of it. Now listen, the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I shared with you some time ago about a true story about a man that had, he, he was working as a shipping and receiving guy and a railroad car came in. It came in right at the end of work. It was, it was a refrigerated car. And they asked him if he could stay over and unload it. He said, sure, I'll take care of it. This is a true story. This happened. The guy starts unloading the boxcar. And there, there are two things that make this story unusual. He starts unloading the boxcar. And as he starts to unload it, he, he, he propped the door open and he's going in and out of that boxcar and then he swung the lift and when he swung the lift, he knocked the prop out from under that door and trapped himself inside. He couldn't get out. It was a door that you had to open from the other side. I said, I said lift, I'm sorry, he wasn't, he, he got off the lift and walked in and he knocked the prop and so he's, he's trapped in there, and they found him the next morning frozen to death. He, well, he was dead, and I, let me rephrase it. They found him dead. And what makes this story so unusual is they couldn't figure out why he died until they started reading what he wrote on the wall. You see, he was in a refrigerated boxcar, but the refrigeration in that boxcar didn't work. But he didn't know that. That boxcar was 60 degrees. He didn't know that it was that the refrigeration was not working. So in his mind, he is in a icebox. He wrote on the wall, he said, it's getting cold in here. Later, underneath that, he wrote... I'm getting colder yet. And the last thing he wrote was, I'm going to 
end up freezing to death in this boxcar. And the next day they found him dead because as a man thinks in his heart, his mind shut his life down as he thinks in his heart. How many of you have ever heard about people just dying for no reason? You found out that someone they loved had passed just earlier, and then all of a sudden and the, the, there was no, seemed to be no physical reason, but their heart just gives up. They just quit. They just, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I usually wouldn't read this much of a scripture, but I want you to get this. This is the 73rd chapter of Psalms. And the writer is writing about trying to figure out why he's got problems and wicked people don't. And it's really starting to get into his heart. Listen to his words, please. Truly, God is good to Israel. He starts out well. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. You ever been there? You ever see somebody that's, man, it looks like they got it made and it looks like God's blessing them and, and they're so far from God and they don't care anything about God and they curse everybody and everything around them and you're trying to figure out how come that happens. God's saying, this isn't over yet. There's an end to this thing and when that end comes, they're going to be wiped away in a moment. Their terror's going to come in an instant and you, my friend, that have held on to the faith, that have kept your heart pure and right before God uh, that may have wiped some tears away but you kept standing uh, that may have pushed some pain back uh, but you kept loving uh, that you chose to forgive instead of get bitter uh, he said I'm going to say to you uh, well done my good and faithful servant uh, come on in here uh, I've got some stuff prepared for you uh, there's going to be joy uh, unspeakable uh, and full of glory and it's going to last Forever. Somebody say forever. How many, how long you like summer vacation to go on? Forever. Whoever said that, take them out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. Oh, that's mama saying that. No, I don't, don't let it last forever. Get them out of here. We have the ability that God gave us a very special and precious gift. But it's like every other gift. If you don't know how to use it right, it doesn't function properly. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to say this. I knew a guy. <laughs> I, I, I had a chainsaw and I could not get the thing to work. And I was so frustrated. 
And I took it into the dealership. It was a steel chainsaw. I took it into the dealership, and I said, man, this thing don't work. And folks, it's not like I'm a lumberjack, all right? And so I took it in to the dealership, and it wouldn't work. And I said, I don't know what's, I can't get this thing to crank. And the guy flipped something. And he pulled it, and it cranked. I looked at him, and I said, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't say anything about this to anybody. <laughs> I just thought, God, please, don't ever let me forget that thing he flipped. I, I didn't know how to use it. It's a gift, man. Chainsaw's a gift if you know how to use it. I mean, you can cut down trees that are in your way. You can cut down your neighbor's trees. If, you know, it's a gift. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I'm just messing with you. God gave us the gift of being able to choose. But if you don't know how to do that the right way, it'll devastate you. You have to be able to choose the right way. Look at this. Romans 10 and 10, I'm getting ready to wrap up. For it is by believing in your heart. Say that with me, please. Believe in your heart. He said, it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your because what's ever in out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you're saved. I don't, I, wait a minute, hang on just a second, because I don't know if, if, if you hadn't thought about hell. I don't know if hell to you isn't a reality, but if you want to make it real, See how long you can put your hand over a fire and keep it there. I've been burnt before, folks. Man, I went to Trinidad and got burnt by the sun and didn't even know it was happening. I had second and third degree burns on my arms. When I got, it was so bad, I'd, I'd already dealt with it for three days when I finally got, to, huh? What? Second degree. Well, somebody told me there were third. It hurt. Blisters came out, I'm not exaggerating, blisters came out probably about two and a half, three inches from my arm, the whole upper part of both arms. When I got to the airport in Dallas, I was trying to get some antibiotic cream, and I asked them, I said, if there's any way, can you please make sure that nobody's sitting on either side of me? I said, because, man, if they just barely touch me. And so the guy's looking at me, one of them looked at me like I'm you know, spinning a big yarn. And I looked at him and I said, man, you can see it if you want to. And the other guy said, no, that's not necessary. The other guy said, no, I'd like to see it. <laughs> so I meticulously and very slowly start to raise my sleeve. And when he saw it, he called the ambulance. They had paramedics in the airport had me on a chair wrapping my arms up and trying to get me to go to the hospital. I looked at them, I said, guys, I'm going home, man. I said, if I was going to go to the hospital, I'd went three days ago, I'm headed home. And I got home to my loving wife and she came running, oh, don't touch me. <laughs> I made a choice that affected relationship. I was out there working lane block. You know how guys will do. It's raining, didn't want to be get, get galled underneath my arms. It was an old shirt. So I just ripped the sleeves out of it. My arms, no sleeves. <laughs> I looked pretty cool that first day. <laughs> 
But then reality hit. I made a choice that affected my health. When the Surgeon General says on the side of the pack, you've been given the right information to make the right choice. I'm not coming down on you. I'm just, I'm just giving you reality. I lost my mom because of her smoking. You've been given all the information to make the right choice. So you have to choose. It's your choice. I'm not going to run you down and, like I did to that one young man. I was younger at the time. I was talking to him. He looked at me and he said, I'm getting there, honey. I'm going to wrap up here in a second. I looked at him. He, he goes, well, Brother Rick, I'd live for the Lord, but these right here just keep me from it. He was 17 years old, man, 18 years old. I don't know how old he was, but patting a little pack of cigarettes. I said, those are keeping you from serving God? He said, yeah. I reached in his pocket, took him up, crumpled him up, and threw him across the street. I said, they're gone. <laughs> you don't have a problem now. <laughs> how many of you wish you could get your problem gone that easy? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me right now? Amen. So I want to ask you a question. What's on your heart today? We've got to make the right deposits to get the right withdrawals. If we'll deposit prayer, if we'll deposit His Word, if we'll deposit worship, if we'll deposit uplifting conversations, we'll get that withdrawal. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some folks I don't like to talk to because they, they talk negative all the time, man. It's like, come on, you're alive. Well, pastor, haven't you ever talked negative? Sure I have. And I know what that makes me feel like. So I opt to the best of my ability not to do that. And if I'm talking negative, God's given me a gift called a wife that helps me out. Turn around, look at your husband or your wife and say, thank you. I'm, I'm dead serious, man. You ought to thank them. You ought to thank them for being there and helping to curb what gets in your heart. Because if you're not careful, you'll let stuff in there that'll destroy you. So how many of you are ready to make some deposits today? You remember that saying, practice makes perfect. So that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask you to come to the front of this building with either your family or a friend and just move to the front of this building. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have a friend here. Don't tell me you don't have a, if you don't have a friend here, I'm going to be your friend. Just come, come, come on to the front very quick. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I was talking to somebody the other day, I think it was at the men's breakfast, and I was talking about Debbie and her gift of speaking into people's life. And it changed this lady's life. She was just a, a young girl. She was probably, I guess, in her early 20s at the Drug Emporium. 18, she was 18 years old. What color was her hair? Huh? Green? She had green hair. Bright green, man, brilliant green. And Debbie walked up to her and looked at her and said, Oh, your hair matches your sweater. That is so cool. That's so neat. And it opened up the door. And she, she didn't look at her and say, I can't believe you dyed your hair green. She complimented her. She spoke value to her. Oh, your, your hair matches your sweater. And well, before that conversation was over, she was giving her heart, or, or she called you later, didn't she? And, or was it there? Different story. Different story. I'm getting mixed. Anyway, long story short, she gave her heart to God. 
Two weeks or three weeks? Later. The one with the green hair was a good one. Right. The one I'm talking about the one from Arkansas. Two weeks. Two weeks later, Debbie gets a phone call. The lady on the other end says, I, you don't know me, but I found your card in my daughter's purse. She was killed in a car accident. I think the night before. They had not had a good relationship. And when Debbie started to share with her about her daughter giving her heart to God, that woman just began to weep and cry, and Debbie led her to the Lord as well. Choices that devastated their lives but a positive choice to speak value changed their lives forever. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do today. And you may, look, even if you're not up here, I'm gonna ask you to do it in your seat. Would you do it for me? I just want you to reach out and I, because see, sometimes we don't practice this and it makes it very difficult for us. But if we'll practice it, you have no idea the impact that you could have on someone's life. So what I'm asking you to do is take someone by the hand right now. And I want you to take a moment and speak worth to their life. You don't have to make anything up. Just tell them how God feels about him. If you're not sure how you feel about him, Tell him how God feels about him. Debbie didn't even know that girl, but she knew how God felt about him. You don't have to know someone to speak worth into their life. They've been created in the image of God. They're worth something. There is a reason for you. There's a purpose for you, and there's a plan for you. And I don't care if you're two or 200. God has a plan for your life. So as Debbie sings this song, and I'll, I'll help you out, okay? Just get them by the hand, and I want you to repeat after me, and I'm going to help you out for just a little bit, but then I'm going to turn you loose. Are you ready? As she sings this song, come here, babe, let me speak to you. So as you're, as you're holding their hand, if it's, if it's someone in your life, if it's your wife or your husband or a family member, then look at them and say, you, are you ready? Work with me here. You're worth more to me than you'll ever know. And you have great value with God. You're one of the best things in my life. And I love you, and I value you, and I'm so thankful for you. Now, did you mean that? Because unless it comes from the heart, they're just words. And I can say, I mean it with all my heart. Now, what if you're speaking to someone that you don't know? Let's try that. Grab somebody's hand you don't know. Say, Pastor, you just got me really uncomfortable. Well, that's good. Just grab someone that you don't know, that you don't know very well. Just, have, have you got anybody's hand you don't know? I know you're, you're trying to, I know, and some of you saying, well, I know everybody here. I said, well, then go ahead and grab their hand. But if you grab, if you grab that hand, and you look at them and you say this. Here, let me have his hand. You take her hand. And you say this. I don't know who you are. But I know that in the eyes of God, you're very special. And he's got a promise for your life. He's promised you that he's going to make you the head and not the tail that you'll be above and not beneath. 
and that everywhere you go, he'll go before you. And all he asks of you is that you surrender your heart to him now. Now. Why don't we try it? <laughs> Look, Debbie's doing, Debbie's doing a class for the next four, I think there's four more weeks left on Tuesdays from seven to eight. It's called a witness stand. We can't just come to church and hang out here. We need to take it out there. And sheep begat sheep, which means you have a responsibility to go out and tell them. Thank God somebody loved me enough to tell me. Somebody cared enough to tell me. I had a guy in Chicago tell me stuff about me and I thought, buddy, you don't even know what you're talking about. And then 20 years later, what he said about me was happening in my life. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I'm telling you, you have a purpose and you have worth. So are you ready? Grab each other's hand. My turn now. You're going to exceed and be successful. You're going to be stronger than you ever thought possible in your walk with God. You're going to find boldness you didn't know you had. You're going to find words coming out of your mouth. And while those words are coming out of your mouth in the back of your head, you're going to be going, I can't believe I'm saying this. You're going to walk away feeling so uplifted because you uplifted someone else. God's going to begin to use you as a conduit to get his love to other people. And it'll be a little, it'll feel a little odd at first, but then it's going to come so natural to you that you're going to be on the prowl, looking for someone to speak life into, looking for someone to speak purpose into. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? <laughs> Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us. So it doesn't matter about your yesterday or your past. It's over. It's a brand new day. Receive it in Jesus' name.